0: This week on The Big Show, it's film festival talk all day today as we welcome Marianne Culpepper to talk about the D.C. Environmental Film Festival and film critic Charles Kirkland, who will stop by to talk about what's going down at the new African Film Festival. Plus, we'll have previews and reviews of all this week's top movies, all in the latest episode of Keeping It Real with Film Gordon. Let's go. to today's show. It has been a long, long week. Um, I've just been... We're talking about film festivals, and you heard me say at the top we're going to talk film festivals all day today. I have been sitting uh, at AFI Silver watching films all week for the New African Film Fest. It has just been maddening. I think I've watched close to maybe 20 films. I know they have a total of seven, 27, excuse me, that are going to run all the way through this coming Sunday. So I've been watching movies ad nauseum. Uh, A little later on in the show, we're going to have Charles Kirkland, who's a colleague of mine who is uh, DC Film Life and also writes for the film Gordon.com. He's going to stop by. He spent two days with me uh, going wall to wall watching films. So we've got a lot of films that we want to share. And as I said, I'm really excited today to talk to Marianne Culpepper, executive director for the DC Environmental Film Fest, which actually literally starts tonight. And uh, she will give us the rundown on this festival that's going to run over, I think, the next 10 days, yep, from uh, March 15th to March 25th, so she'll come by and talk about that a little later on in the show, and also coming up later on one major movie in theaters this weekend and we're going to to profile and look at Tomb Raider uh, the reboot starring Alicia Vikander uh, who's taking over for Angelina Jolie so you'll get my thoughts on that movie so stay with us. Coming up shortly also we have from BlackFilm.com Wilson Morales who's going to update us on what's going on in entertainment this week and as I said I started off at the top talking about being at film festivals it's film festivals and Uh, A lot of uh, television shows that I like That are coming to a a close this week Uh, The season finale for um, This Is Us was earlier this week Had a chance to watch that Uh, As always This Is Us is is pulling tears out of your eyes Whether you want to give them up or not Uh, That was happening Atlanta this week Gronish is back um lots of quality programming you know people have been on me about Jessica Jones which I literally finished uh, last weekend as well as Altered Carbon I tried to watch and uh, I'm not there yet I'm I'm trying to get there but in this world of so many different things that are going on so much television so much content that's out there it's hard to keep up it's hard and we try to do as good a job as possible of making that happen So I know coming up uh, in the next few weeks, I'm going to probably locate a television critic because I definitely want to be able to kind of touch on certain shows and certain things that are going on because, as I said, it's a 12-month process. All right. So with that being said, now it's time for us to go up to Gotham and uh, bring online with us my good friend, none other than Wilson Morales. All right, Wilson, and welcome to the show, man. So what is going on today, my brother in entertainment?
1: Well, you've got uh, Tomb Raider coming out, and it's going to challenge Black Panther for box office supremacy. But according to box office experts, Black Panther looks to seek a rare fifth weekend. And what I mean by rare, the last time we had a film, uh, go five consecutive weeks at number one, was Avatar. Wow. And so... You know uh, that that seems to be the talk. And you've got Ready Player One that's played at the South by Southwest Festival. They got good reviews, and that comes out next week. You still have a Rink of Time still in theaters. Um, it didn't do as well as expected, but hopefully, you know Disney hopes they can carry an audience all the way up to Easter.
0: Now, let me ask you a question, man. I was reading something last night that uh, somebody posted that Ava was really mad at at white critics who didn't really understand or capture the, 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 the diversity and kind of like the, the, the multi the multifaceted cast. Have you read anything about that or heard anything about you know how people now are assigning blame to why this movie didn't do as well as it should have?
1: Here's the thing. I run BlackFilm.com. I've seen the film. I did. I was not impressed by the film. So, you know, it's not a, you know, you can blame, blame, you know, audience hell you know, the first week, you know, she was front loaded by a lot of marketing. Everybody came out to support her, but the numbers don't lie, you know, and the reviews were held to the very last minute. So, you know, they had as much ample time to bring in an audience for people to buy tickets in advance and it didn't muster the the numbers that they were hoping for. This coming weekend will tell you whether or not there's a good word of mouth to sustain an under fifty percent drop or if the word of mouth, based on the Rotten Tomato score, is going to carry throughout, and this movie
0: goes as down as Tomorrowland. Alright, now let me ask you the last question on this. Uh, is this the Black Panther effect that, you know, people saw Ryan Coogler, and they, they know Ava DuVernay, and, you know, there's such a high from people who went out and saw Black Panther three, four, five times, and the expectation people are, you know, people thinking that Wrinkle in Time is going to be another Black Panther or film that will appeal to the masses. Is this a case of people are disappointed because of what it's not versus what it is?
1: No, I think at the end of the day, Black Panther is a Marvel movie. It's uh, an adult themed movie, you know, and people wanted to see it for a long time. And it's a movie you can see at 10 o'clock at night. People are seeing it at midnight, they're seeing it two or three times. Winkle in Time, as Abel has stated, is a family kid from kid movie that kind of has to bring the inner child in you, and that's not a movie you're going to go see at 10 o'clock at night. You know, so at the end of the day, you know, word of mouth is your indicator, you know. So It has to be critic proof, you know. If it's a good movie, we'll carry all the way through, you know. Specifically a film that's heightened by a black director, and you've had Black Panther, you've got Ava Duvernay, but the numbers don't lie, you know. It's like, if it was any good, you know, you, you wouldn't just get 43% Rotten Tomatoes. You'd get maybe a mix, 65, 75, you know, and you'd do better numbers. So let's wait to week two to see if that's going to be, you know, the telling whether or not an audience is throwing the word out, it's good, go see it. And, it, you know, every film drops off the second week. So the question is, how much does it drop
0: off this coming weekend? Well, you know, this whole thing with this film has really kind of put me in a, what I call a rock-and-a-hard-place position because uh, you and I both have known Ava DuVernay for a long time, and we've watched her career kind of flourish and grow, and this almost feels like the first misstep that she's made as a filmmaker. I mean, would that be accurate to say, or is it just a, it's just this is a hard-to-adapt screenplay? It's the second time that they've taken a crack at it, and neither effort has been successful.
1: Well, the jury's still out. You know, it's, it's only one week so far. But, you know, what's telling is that the movie cost $103 million to make. So the end result is, no matter how it does, it's got to make a profit. You know, that's all people will care about. You know, like, oh, you got $100 million, but it didn't make a profit. You know, so no matter how good or bad the movie is, you could have a you have You take, for example, Natalie Portman's Annihilation, which got over 80% Rotten Tomatoes, but made no money at the box office. You know, so you know what would be, what would happen if this, if Wrinkle Time had eighty nine percent and nobody came to see it, where would the blame go then?
0: That's true too. I mean, there's a lot of, there's a lot of sore feelings. I think there's a lot of expectation around this movie. And as you said, the budget uh, doesn't make it easier for this movie to recoup his money back. Now, as you said. This second, this second weekend will be telling. Um, I think the fact that Tomb Raider is coming out is going to kind of siphon some of that audience off because that's based on the video game, so you're going to have a younger, uh, a younger group of people watching that film as well in the competition. It's going to be interesting, man. I, you know, the jury is still out, man. It really is. So let's come, we'll have time to revisit this in a week and uh, find out where we are with this situation. So is there anything else happening before we let you go, man, because we got about a couple of minutes to go, Wilson
1: much, you know, we're still feeling, you know, when Black Panther's taking over at the box office. It's was, it was almost like, oh, actually there is another thing. Love, Simon, small film coming out this coming uh, weekend. What's, it, uh, what's that title
0: again, Love What?
1: Love, Simon. It's about a kid who's uh, afraid to tell his friends and family that he's gay, you know, and it stars uh, a young bunch of young actors, including Alexander Shipp, who's in the film, and Nick Robinson, who we remember from last year's Everything Everything. Um, and it's a good, tender heart, feel-good feel story.
0: All right. Now, Wilson, where can people read your content, follow you on social media?
1: You can find me over at BlackFood.com, which is the same word if you look for Instagram and over, over at Twitter.
0: All right, Wilson. And as I tell you every week, man, it's always a pleasure to have you on, man. And thank you for your input, my friend. Hey,
1: thanks for having
0: me on. All right. You take care, man. I'll thanks. be in touch. mm mm-hmm. Here at 96.3 HD4, and I am very excited because we have our very first in studio guest, the lovely executive director for the DC Environmental Film Festival in the nation's capital. Marianne Culpepper. Welcome
2: to the show. Well, thank you. I'm delighted to be here, Tim.
0: I'm delighted to have you here. And we're excited because the first of 10 nights starts tonight for your film festival. Yes. Now in its 26th year. Yes. All right. What should people expect this year who are coming out to the film fest?
2: Well, I think it's going to be an amazing year. We looked around, we were watching this year, um, and it's been a dynamic year across the country, across the world. There have been marches people people are active again. You know, For a lot of years, people were watching things, and things seem to be going along, sometimes a little worse, but mm-hmm. things seem to generally be getting better. And this year, a lot has happened, and a lot of things are not getting better. They're going in the wrong direction, and people started marching. Um, so we saw it as a year of activism. So our theme this year is called Stories from the Front, front Lines. Stories from the Front Lines. Mm-hmm. And what we wanted to do was bring you the stories of those heroes, those people who are out there, whether they're at Standing Rock, or they're on a Sea Shepherd's boat out in the Indian Ocean, or they're deep in um, uh, you know, a reserve in Africa trying to save elephants. We wanted to bring you those stories. So I think it's a really exciting year. We have some incredible films. They are a mix, of course, of documentary, feature, um, animation. We have a little of everything, shorts. Um, So one of the things we like to do is find a portal into the festival for everybody. I mean, the environment is basically what? Everything around you. Mm -hmm. So we include everything. We're looking, of course, at nature and at wildlife. But we also look at cities. We look at gardens. We look at birds. We look at food. We look at all the things that are in your environment. So whatever you're interested in, we're going to have a film, probably, that's going to be of interest to you. What film is opening the, opening the festival tonight? Well, tonight is really exciting. Tonight is a film called The Last Animals, and it is a, uh, produced by a woman named Kate Brooks, who is an incredible... she was a photographer turned filmmaker, and she has shot this amazing film about the, po- the rangers who are fighting the poachers and the illegal animal traffickers in Africa. Uh, trying to save the elephants and the rhinos. So it's, a, it's an incredibly powerful film. It has an amazing soundtrack. And the musician from uh, Central African Republic who composed the music for the film is going to be there tonight along with Kate Brooks. So in addition to this incredible film, we have this great panel afterwards And we don't do that kind of thing where the panel all sits on stage and talks to each other. We do audience Q&A. So when they come out, we start taking questions from the audience. What do you want to know? What do you want to know from the director? What do you want to know about the music? What do you want to know about the elephants? So it's, it's informative, it's fun, it's interactive, it's engaging. It's not just a sit and watch. You've got to be part of the event.
0: All right, if you're just tuning in right now, we're talking to Marianne Culpepper, the executive director for the D.C. Environmental Film Festival in the nation's capital, which actually debuts or actually begins tonight, and it runs through March 25th. Um, so we talked a little bit about what's opening. Do you guys have any special programs that you're going to be running or like centerpieces or spotlights that yes. are going to go on during the festival? Talk a little bit about those.
2: Absolutely. we got some wonderful films. One of my favorites is a film called Chasing the Thunder. Um, many people have heard of Sea Shepherds. They are the organization that goes out in boats and tries to prevent illegal fishing. There is an incredible, it's a 90-minute Film that is like a Tom. Clancy. This is Hunt for Red October, but it's it's you know a documentary. I've never seen anything like it. It's incredible. It it documents this three thousand. Um, my, it's a 10,000-mile chase across three oceans mm. um, of an illegal fishing vessel. They go through the pack ice in Antarctica. The ship almost sinks. There, it's an incredible story of trying to catch these illegal fishermen. So that's really dynamic. And Paul Watson, who is the very charismatic uh, head of Sea Shepherds, is going to be there for the panel along with the uh, pr- the filmmakers. And that's Friday night. Um, we have Wasted, which is just a lot of fun. Wasted comes to us from Anthony Bourdain. Um, He's the executive producer. Every year around the world, a third of the food goes to landfill. Hmm. Literally a third of our food goes to landfill. And this is just in the United States. This is around the world. If we could solve that problem, we literally could feed the, the world. There are 800 million starving people that could be fed if we had that third of the food back. So, This film isn't about the problem, the film is about the solutions. So you get these celebrity chefs who come together and they're saying, okay, so how do we solve this? How do we fix it? How do we, um, they have this term where they call, uh, they talk about cooking from nose to tail. You use every part of an animal if you're cooking an animal. You use different parts of the vegetable that maybe you wouldn't use. Maybe the root is actually good. Maybe the leaves are actually good. So it's all these celebrity chefs getting together and, and solving the problem of how to avoid food waste, which is um, it's just a lot of fun and, um, and a little profane from time to time because, of course, it's Anthony Bourdain.
0: <laughs> now I was going to ask you because earlier, Marianne, you talked about... Uh, the, what the year was you know you mm-hmm. talked about it being a year of activism, yes, and I was going to ask you how all that would affect the films you have now before mm-hmm. I get to ask that question, mm-hmm. how many films total do you guys have this year?
2: we have a hundred and ten films we have one hundred and fifty filmmakers and speakers who will be there in attendance, you know doing the q and a s afterwards we 're at thirty venues across washington d c nice. And uh, so, yeah, we try to really get as spread out as we can. And as I said, get something that interests everybody.
0: All right. So before we go on, let's tell people how they can get involved and get tickets. If you go online, you can go to DCEFF.org, hashtag, or not hashtag, forward slash okay. festival. Forward That's, slash. Right. That's how. So let me give that out one more time because that was kind of choppy. DCEFF.org forward slash festival. For more information, um, we're excited because this is a huge festival. Now, you talked earlier because we were talking offline that you know there's still uh, you. You said you ran into somebody on the way over who said he had never heard yeah. of this festival. Um, you know, you're in your second year now. Mm-hmm. How do you combat or try to to try to do a better job of getting the word out? Other than efforts like this.
2: Yes, of course. Well, efforts like this. Mm -hmm. We also, our festival guide, last year we started printing it as an insert to the Washington Post Express. So that goes out, it's got a readership of 340,000 across the Washington metro. Um, We really want to get that word out. We do all sorts of press interviews, we do advertising, we have digital ads. We have a mailing list of about 12,000 people that we send this out to, but we have over 30,000 people a year who attend. We're doing a screening at The Ark in uh, mm-hmm. Mississippi Avenue, Southeast. Um, uh, this year, it's called uh, What Lies Upstream. And it's this incredible story. There was a toxic spill in West Virginia uh, about a year and a half ago. And all of this terrible pollutant went into the water. And all of a sudden, people had no drinking water. So river cleanup is a big thing with the Anacostia. And so we're bringing in this film, and we've got some a great panel. We've got Anacostia River Keepers. We've got somebody from the D.C. Clean Rivers Project. And we're going to have them after the film, and we're going to talk about what's going on at the Anacostia, how the stuff in this film applies, and you know what can you do to kind of help clean up the Anacostia. So in addition to showing a film, we also try to to localize it a lot. All right, how does this relate to you? What can you do about this? In fact, we have several local filmmakers who are participating in the festival. Mm-hmm. Um, we have um, a Sandy Cannon Brown who has a film called High Tide in Dorchester, which is about the eastern shore, and how basically it is flooding. It is There's less and less of the eastern shore every year because the water is is rising, of course. We have uh, a team of Tessa Moran and Ben Crosby who from here in D.C. who've done a film called The Guardians. The Guardians is this incredible story. I think most people have heard of the 3,000-mile um monarch butterfly migration. Mm-hmm. Well, this is the story of that combined with the story of the people in Mexico who, the native people there who are fighting to protect the forest where the gar- where the butterflies go every year. So it's this these two intertwined stories and it's marvelous because these indigenous people who live there and used to cut down the forest now realize what a treasure it is and are saving it for the planet because that's the only butterfly forest. So it's a great story. We also have another one called Dispatches from the Gulf too by mm. Hal and Marilyn Weiner, And this is looking back at the BP oil spill from 2010 What's going on with it now? How's the Gulf doing? So it's an update on that story. So those are some of our local filmmakers.
0: Well, it sounds like you have a lot of participation, as you said, from uh, national as well as local filmmakers, and as well as fr- from D.C. in general, because you, as you said earlier, you have 30 venues you said spread out.
2: We do. We wow. do. Our four signature venues where we do probably 80% of our programming mm-hmm. are National Geographic, the Carnegie Institution for Science, which is 16th and P., The East Street Cinema and Naval Heritage Center. So, and there's it's all on our website, and there's a map, and they're all very metro accessible, which is something we encourage. So, we've got those, but then we also screen in some of the Smithsonian's. We screen, of course, at the ARC, at a lot of the embassies all around D.C. Um, We bring in international filmmakers um, because, of course, the environment isn't just a U.S. thing. It's all over the world. So incredible stories of different countries around the world.
0: All right. We got a minute to go. Um, One more time. I think we need to, I'll let you tell them this time, where can they go in order to get information about the festival and to buy tickets, most importantly?
2: Absolutely. The easiest thing is just D.C.E.F.F. Org. You can click on the festival when you get there. So just DCEFF.org, go in, the whole festival schedule is there. There are descriptions of every single film, where they're showing, when they're showing, you know, how to get there, and of course, buy your tickets. The other thing is about 50% of our events are free. Our ticket price is low um, because our goal is to get as many people in to see those films as possible because they're they're great they're entertaining they inform you um but they're also just great to watch and we want as many people to come as we can so go in some t- some uh tickets are just reservations and you show up and you get in for free
0: all right march 15th through the 25th marianne Culpepper thank you for stopping through
2: thank you so much for having
0: me all right do you enjoy your day Thanks. hi i'm wendell Pierce and you're listening to the big
3: show keeping it real with film gordon on film gordon radio
0: Keeping it real with Film Gordon here at DC Radio ninety six point three HD four. Um, this my next guest uh, is a, is a colleague and someone who we're developing a wonderful relationship. He and I hung out last week like two uh, blood brothers watching movies over at the AFI Silver, the New African Film Festival. I want to introduce uh, Charles Kirkland. Charles, welcome to Keeping It Real with Film Gordon, my brother. Well, thank you for having me, Tim. I'm glad to be here. All right. So, uh, you, you know, you done falling off uh, and, and you know what I'm talking about, because Charles had told me that he was going to roll with me through these 10 days of films over at AFI. And what did you do, like two and a half days, two days, and then you tapped out?
3: I think it was a good two and a half days, though. I, I mean, I got a good good number of movies in.
0: Doesn't it? <laughs> you did get a good number of movies in, man. But um, so let's talk a little bit about some of these movies, man, because I, you know, I wasn't going to do reviews of them because this festival is ongoing and it will be on. It will be ongoing until this Sunday. Uh, a total of twenty-seven films at this festival. Uh, tw- uh, twenty films from African filmmakers from twenty different countries on the continent. Right. So, for so, and for if you are following at home, I'm just going to give you this website so you can go and look at the films because I keep a record of all of the movies that I watch in, a, in an individual year. So, if you're at Pinterest.com forward slash film forward slash 2018 hyphen movies, and you can pull up my entire page of films that I've seen, including a lot of the films that we're going to talk about this afternoon. So, Charles. Um, before we get started, what films stood out for you in, the, in the, the time that you were at AFI watching this fest or at the New African Film Fest?
3: Wow, that, that's a great question because there were so many good films, interesting films I should say, but I think my favorite of them all so far was uh, one called Supermoto, which was about some, uh, a child who, was, who had cancer. And, and uh, her desire was to become a superhero or make a superhero movie. And in the village where she lived, they all pitched in and, and created this uh, very interesting and, and delightful superhero film that, that she started
0: absolutely and 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 that's also my number one film at that fest and it actually is playing again this afternoon so i'm gonna hurry up and try to get out of here and get up there to check it out um great film i'm watching it again man i mean there was not a dry eye in the spot and the one that's on the phone uh not me but the other person charles you you shed a couple of tears on this one didn't you
3: You're not going to shame me, Tim. There's no shame in the fact that I did uh, drop a few tears at that movie. It's it's a powerful movie, very emotional, and I enjoyed it. So, yeah, I cried. And and if you were man enough to to admit it, I'm sure you you probably shed a tear or two yourself. I
0: did did not shed a tear, but I did fight really hard to hold it in, man. So it, it was emotional. I would give you that. Um, and now,
3: biting his bottom lip, trying to hold back those tears.
0: <laughs> I absolutely was, man. Now, since you talked about my favorite film, my second favorite film, and you and I saw this one together as well, was Liana, which was the story of uh, five orphan children, or it, it focused on five orphan children among a, a group of them who had lost their parents to HIV and AIDS uh, in their village. And they're all living in his orphanage. And I guess they brought in a storyteller to help them tell a story. And they create this this uh, woman or little girl named Liana. And it's kind of animation. So it's half live action, half animation uh, produced, and, or excuse me, executive produced by Dandy Newton, among other producers. Uh, this thing right here was also a very emotional film because you find out that these young children are infusing this character with stories that come from their own personal lives. How did Liana work for you, Charles?
3: Uh, Liana was a, an incredible journey. Again, I, I tried to choke back. I choke back the tears on this one, but it was very powerful, very creative movie. I enjoyed it a lot. Uh, the integration of live action and animation in, in the storytelling was just so effective. I, I, it was very much one of the best films. A, a lot of the good films had... Children in them, so uh, maybe we could uh, do something with some these children's movies. It was really, it was really great to see what they were doing with the child actors in, in this African festival.
0: All right, so we talked about some highlights from the festival, man. I want to talk about a movie, and you know where I'm going with this—a movie that both you and I really were really hyped to see. <laughs> And I I asked somebody, I said, how long was the movie? They said it was two hours long. I said, man, for about an hour and 40 to an hour and 45 minutes, this movie was gold. The last 15 minutes, this movie just fell apart, man, like paper in the rain. Five fingers for Marseille, man. (laughs) Talk to the audience and explain what we're talking about with this film.
3: I I think the problem with it is that we're so used to these Americanized uh, style of, of movie of t- uh, storytelling in movies where uh everything wraps up in a nice little bow at the end of the movie and this is a very different uh perspective that we saw here. It was more of a of an of an Eastern feel of storytelling where not everything ends so pleasantly and completely in in the movie i mean b- but I agree with you the the movie uh, w- as it started out was beautiful beautiful miracle and rich, and the cinematography was great, and then, uh, as we got toward the end, things started taking a turn that we didn't expect, and and it ended in a way that was kind of awkward into, uh, like I said, what we're used to as American uh, movie viewers, but I'm sure, uh, because we talked about it, it, it made sense for the conclusion of that movie, though.
0: Well, you know what was interesting about this movie? Uh, somebody, I was trying to explain to somebody how disappointed I was. And I said, the best analogy I can come up with is imagine being in a restaurant, right? and you order the meal and the chef is cooking it up and it's smelling good. Your mouth is watering. You're like, oh my God, man, this is going to be nice. And then at the end, the chef goes, yeah, I know it's good, man, but let me add a couple more herbs in here and put some salt in <laughs> It's like, dude, no, stop. You ruined it, man. <laughs> it, 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 it
3: reminded me more of uh, Five Deadly Venoms, which was a, a martial arts movie in in the way that it wrapped up at the end of it as well, where you, you kind of wanted wanted to go one way and then they just put too much in like you said and, and it just it it worked didn't work for me as an american viewer but i'm sure for the the uh uh african uh perspective from where it came from it was it was a nice ending i, I, I would have i can't wait to see uh if hollywood could do a remake and you know please god no. directors cut from out <laughs> Take some of that stuff out that was that they put in at the end.
0: All right, so if you're just tuning in, we're listening. We're talking to Charles Kirkland, who's a, a film critic at DC Film Life, and, and his reviews appear there as well as on my site, thefilmgordon.com. Um, I'm going to talk about a couple of films that you may not have seen, and I saw one last night that I really wish you had an opportunity to see. Uh, the film was called Shake Jackson, right? Now, you uh, you you heard you saw in the uh, advertisement this one, Charles, about the, the Michael Jackson, how to keep— Put Michael Jackson in there with Shake Jackson. Right, right. This it movie, up... no, I was gonna say right, but the the clever thing about this movie is that the Michael Jackson aspect of it is kind of secondary because basically what it's about is uh, in in Islam, you know, an iman is kind of like a priest, right. and you know, this iman. Is essentially, you know, uh, on his path. He's leading prayer. You know, he's the crying iman as he prays. You know, and leads everybody in prayer. Prayer. He's so overwhelmed by his his faith and his spirituality and his love for God that he cries through, you know, all of his prayers. And he is going along, enjoying life until he discovers the day that Michael Jackson dies, and something in him clicks. And we go and figure out through flashback that when he was younger, he idolized Michael Jackson and, you know, and that that his his love for Michael Jackson caused the rift between him and his father, which kind of put him on his path. Um, a very in, uh, a very introspective, very deep movie Um uh, spiritually it's a jacked up message that you gotta backslide and lose your faith for your love of Michael Jackson but, but oh, short of boy. that yeah I mean that was the end we were sitting around going word? That, that, that's, that's it, <laughs> that should take on message on this one but it was a really good story of fathers and sons uh, outside of Muslim which was a Kasim Bashir movie that I saw 4 or 5 years ago this is probably the best film about somebody in Islam that explains Islam in the faith in a way that I haven't seen since that film. So a really strong movie, and you know it's a movie that I want for something that we're going to talk about later on uh, this summer, That a project that I'm working on. But um, yeah, man, so anything else? We've got about two minutes to go. Charles, is there anything else that stood out really quickly for you?
3: Well, I'm glad you mentioned Shake Jackson because I, I feel good that I passed on it on last night to do the Tomb Raider review, but uh, <laughs> because Sheikh Jackson is also closing the festival, so I get another chance to see it on Sunday.
0: Very nice. But, very nice. Uh,
3: if you haven't, uh, the Royal Hibiscus Hotel was another movie that was very interesting. And uh, as we were sitting there watching it, we 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 were kind of joking along about how it could could be remade as uh, as a an Americanized film in that. <laughs> I I think it would be called The Peach Tree or something like that. It'd be set in Atlanta, but it was very comical, uh, and and I enjoyed that movie as well. There were a lot of good things that that came out of that festival, and I I can't wait to complete the journey this weekend.
0: All righty. Well, Charles, you know, as I said, man, I'm looking forward to seeing you this weekend, man, because as I said, um, there are more movies tonight. Uh, We're going to do what we do. Brother, but thank you but before we get out of here um, let people know where they can read uh, the reviews you write which absolutely I enjoy those reviews I, I really do I think you do a very good job and you have a perspective uh, of how you see films that I see very I see them very differently but I respect your uh, I respect the way you kind of approach it
3: well well where I'm where I'm uh, you can find me is the DC film life where real guys talk about real movie stuff so I that's where my perspective comes from I just try to keep it keep it real not to take anything from you mr. Gordon But I, I try to make sure that I'm grounded in and, and I've watched the movies as uh as a regular person as a regular guy would and that's where my uh, my the focus of my reviews come from so you can find me on uh, dot com and you can find me on the DC Film Life on Facebook and on Twitter And that's where
0: you can get me. All right, sir. Well, don't be a stranger, man. I mean, you know, I'm assuming I'll see you at some point in the next 24 to 48 hours. You
3: definitely will,
0: sir. (laughs) (laughs) All right, sir. You you enjoy your day, and thank you for coming through today. All right. All right. We're going to take a break right now. We're going to come back on the other side. It's going to be time to talk movies. You guys, of course, are listening to Keeping It Real with Film Gordon here at DC Radio 96.3 hd 4 dcradio.gov. Radio at ninety six point three, HD four DC Radio uh, That last segment was a lot of fun. I always love uh, teasing uh, Charles Kirkland and any critic that I know who cries at movies, man. Because you know he said he's watching movies from a real man perspective. Uh, okay, now I'll take that. I'm not going to say anything. All righty. So now it is the final segment of our show, and this is the time we talk about new movies and theaters. Now, let's just say, as Wilson Morales said earlier in the show, this is Black Panther season right now. So Black Panther just literally went over one point one billion dollars. Um, you know, this this movie is rolling. If it actually is number one again this weekend, I don't remember. And I, I think he said it earlier that it's his avatar was the last movie that went number one five weeks in a row uh, at the at the rate that this film is going right now, I can't really see it overtaking uh, Ready Player One, which is Steven Spielberg's movie that's going to be coming up in a couple of weeks. But one way or another, it has been a a historic run for this film, and and, and it will continue because when it comes out on DVD, all the people who saw it four and five times will want to have a copy of it. Am I correct? Yes. Uh, On the other side of the glass, yes. So uh, let's go and talk about what's going on this week. Let us cue our music. Alrighty, so huh, this week in film, um, several movies are opening. Uh, we're only gonna review one, but let's talk a little bit about some of the ones that are gonna also open in theaters this weekend. Love Simon is probably the most notable one about a young kid who uh, is struggling with his sexuality, finds a kindred spirit online, opens up to him only to have kindred said kindred spirit kind of out him and then he has to kind of take back his own narrative and kind of reclaim his his story uh so that's coming out you've got uh three smaller movies seven days in entebbe the death of stalin and foxtrot um there are folks out there who love these smaller kind of indie films you know and, and if you're tired of if you've seen black panther a bunch of times uh, Tomb is not your thing and you want to watch the original with Angelina Jolie and you want to skip this one um, you know these are movies that may be for you so as I said Love, Simon, Foxtrot The Death of Style and Seven Days and then Tibby are going to be in theaters but th- those films we're not going to review the one I do want to have an extended conversation about is Tomb Raider now Tomb Raider is a film that uh, is kind of the reboot as we talked about the Angelina Jolie film that um, I guess was released like earlier this century uh, probably about 10 years ago with her and they've now brought this film back with Oscar winner Alicia Vikander it's it's really interesting that they always find Oscar winners to play Lara Croft you know Angelina Jolie first now Alicia Vikander a very different sort of feel but uh, here's a clip before I talk about it here's a clip from Tomb Raider
3: Listen, it's very simple. If you don't sign the papers, then everything your father worked for will be sold off. Not just the company, but Croft Manor also. Can you imagine how he would feel if you lost the house? Lara, your father's gone. But you can pick up where he left off.
1: It's in your blood.
0: Alrighty, so As you can tell, uh, this movie uh, There's a lot of action uh, in this film And for me, I think My initial impression with Tomb Raider Is that I spent a, a lot of time Watching Alicia Vikander Run and jump not necessarily in that order. Sometimes it was jumping and then running. Sometimes it was running and then jumping. But basically the story is kind of as the original is, is that young Laura Croft is kind of like the heir to her father's huge multi-billion dollar empire. Her father, who uh, you know we see in flashbacks a lot, played by uh, the gentleman from The Wire. What is his name? Uh, Dominic West. And uh, he's gone off on an adventure, and he disappears. And now Croft, who's working as a bicycle messenger, you know, this really tough, intelligent woman who kind of sticks out like a a sore thumb wherever she is. You can tell that she's in a place where she's with working-class people, but she's really not a person that should be there. And she's approached by uh, a mysterious woman, uh, played by Kristen Scott Thomas, who works who works with her father, and the goal is to bring her back, declare her father dead, so that she takes over as the, the head of Croft Industries. She, of course, uh, is holding on to the belief that her father is very much alive, but in hiding, so she refuses to sign said documentation. Father leaves her a note and tells her, hey, here's my, my work. Please destroy all of it. Because if it falls in the wrong hands, something really, really bad can happen. And guess what Lara Croft does? You think she destroyed that stuff? Heck no. She takes her father's work and pursues these leads, which lead her on these elaborate uh, you know, chases that happen. as she's trying to find a ship to take her to where her father left this clue. She's on a ship when it ships wreck. She ends up on an island where she is not necessarily enslaved, but you know treated as uh, treated as kind of like a, a regular nominal worker. And then suddenly she figures out that she has to try to find her father, reclaim uh, the family name, and also stop something really really bad happening. So that, in the nutshell, is Tomb Raider. Now, having said all of that, this movie has a bunch of holes in it. You could drive a truck through. Um, a lot of it makes no sense. Um, it's based on a video game, and they're using the story from the video game. Vikander is way too, too talented to, to to be playing a role like this. This is a, a role that Alicia Vikander should have taken like when she was on The Come Up, before she became the Oscar winner for stuff like The Danish Girl and some of the stories that she's done. This is clearly a paycheck movie, right? Now, if you've never heard me use the phrase paycheck movie, paycheck movie is, you know, when you become uh, an an Oscar winner or you become like a really serious actor and you've done all these really critically acclaimed films, you know, those films don't really pay a lot. So your agent comes to you and goes, hey, man, I got this script for you that'll pay you some money. You're going to have to get in shape run through the jungle and do your own stunts and do some stuff and we can get you paid. This is what Alicia Vikander has done with Tomb Raider. Tomb Raider is a movie and I used to use the analogy which I don't think is a cool analogy anymore that you know you would eat some food and then an hour afterwards you can't remember what you ate. Tomb Raider is the kind of movie you can watch on a on a Friday or Saturday. And I guarantee you, by the time the weekend is over, this movie will be a distant memory to you. Now, to show you how distant of a memory or how forgettable this movie is, I was trying to think back to the one of the two Tomb Raider films that Angelina Jolie made and can't remember anything about either of those films that stand out among the many films that I've seen. Um, I can think back to films that I love, like Godfather, Citizen Kane, uh, Goodfellas... Um, Raging Bull. I mean, the, the films I really love. I can always pick out details. I can't pick out any details from Tomb Raider. So I say all this to say as I open this segment that this is Black Panther season, right? And the reason it's Black Panther season is stories like this. Tomb Raider is the type of movie that if you give these people $12, 13, 14, $15, you might as well just give the money to me. Because it's going to be the exact same effect that you're going to go in there and go, it's okay. Um, you know, we, we we talked earlier as well about Wrinkle in Time, right? A Wrinkle in Time, and a Wrinkle in Time is a beautiful film to watch. It's just not a lot there, and it's a very difficult story to tell. Um, I, you know, when we're here in Black Panther season right now, I think everything. I think I think Black Panther's effect as we as I'm getting ready to tie all this back to Tomb Raider. Black Panther's effect is the is the ability for it to be a film that appeals to so many people because there's so many elements that work so well in that film, from the lush uh, appearance of Wakanda to the costumes to the to the moral stories, the fathers and sons, mothers and daughters, uh, tribe, uh, you know, the the colonialism versus globalism, all these different aspects. In this film works so well that I think there's almost a hangover for people who go see other movies, you know, on a high from that one. And it sort of kind of takes a lot of the wind out of sails, which gets us back to Tomb Raider. Tomb Raider is a film that if I had to give it a letter grade, yeah, might give it a C minus, you know, between a C minus and a D plus. Like I said, Alicia Vikander is much better than this. None of these characters are fully developed. Dominic West's character, we really don't know a lot about him. Um, Walter Goggins, who's great in stuff like The Hateful Eight and Justified, he's a really good actor. He's much better than the material that he's in. Everybody hopefully got a check and a nice vacation uh, at the locale to film this. But outside of that, man, there is not much here at Tomb Raider, man. So I hate to, to bust your bubble. It's, it appears that Black Panther is going to go number one for the fifth straight week. Um, and as I said, I think this is going to be the narrative uh, here, at least on this show, until Ready Player One drops. And then just also remember, if you want to get your Marvel Black Panther fix along with the rest of the superheroes, Infinity Wars will be in theaters on April 27th, so you're about a good four to a good four to six weeks away. And then the summer will be here, and then you'll forget about all of these really worthless movies that we're talking about right now. And that means you, Tomb Raider. All right, that's it. Me wrapping this up for this week. Um, thank you guys for listening. And as I tell you every week on the show, please see something good. In that case, just go back and see Black Panther again, man. Don't even, don't even. Don't And don't watch it on bootleg, and you know who you are, right? Stay off that fire stick. Stay off that bootleg. Check out Black Panther in theaters this week. Until next week, I'm Tim Gordon, a.k.a. Film Gordon, and I'm out. I'm thanking you guys for listening. You enjoy.